Hello, you are listening to the inaugural episode of Cinephiles Digest. All right, I'm over it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how was that? Was that pretty good? Yeah, I was having such a hard time not laughing. Did I set the I tone? I was like laughing quietly. <laughs> Uh, my name is Matt. You will know me from Cinephiles Digest, but this is something entirely different, completely unrelated. This is Cinephiles Digest. Uh, Paris, <laughs> you want to tell our listeners? Uh, well, also, I should say, I'm recording today and forever always on this spinoff show with my best buddy, Paris. How's it going? Hey, uh, it's going well. You want to tell the listeners uh, what the fuck's going on here? I sure do. I've also realized that we decided to name this uh, this spinoff podcast "Cinephiles Digest" as in "You're dead," but that doesn't quite translate over a, uh, a listening medium. So, well, before they start listening, they'll see the episode title and they'll be like, "Oh, that's so clever! Oh my god, that's amazing!" We're I know exactly what I'm getting into. <laughs> So basically, um, this is going to be a little shorter spin-off version of the regular Cinephiles Digest, um, but with horror movies. Um, and for now, we're doing double features each time, but that could that could change in the future. We're, we're feeling it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, do you want to tell uh, the listeners what uh, the inaugural episode's double feature is? Yes. So for our first ever episode, Double Feature, we decided to do um, some Rob Zombie cult classics. We did House of 1000 Corpses and The Devil's Rejects. Mm -hmm. And I have seen these movies before. I can uh, talk a little bit about that. But these, these were both first time watches for you. Is that right? Yes. I had never seen either of these i actually think i've only seen one rob zombie movie and it was the halloween remake Mm. so reboot yeah (laughs) well i was uh super into both of these movies uh in high school because i was very into like super gory trashy like trying to find the most brutal gross movies i could at that age you know what i mean so these oh, were yeah. both both favorites of mine. And then Rob uh, Zombies, or uh, Bob Zom, he <laughs> signed on to do a reboot of Halloween. And I liked Halloween when it first came out, right? I think it was like 2007 or something. I liked it, well, I think, but... I think we should also note that you are probably the biggest fan of the original Halloween movie of anyone I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite horror movie. Top five movie of all time um so i i liked it when it came out but i revisited it as an adult and god both of those movies are abominations like <laughs> we're not covering them on this episode so i'll leave it at that but I've, I've talked openly about my relationship with those movies on on the main podcast um but what i will say is i let that color my uh viewing of these movies because i like when i threw these movies out as as a suggestion i was fully expecting to just shit on both the movies because i kind of have had my view of uh bob zom tainted um so we'll, we'll see if that's the case once we get into it but um just setting the stage a little bit there for uh our backgrounds coming to these two movies um so Obviously, we're going to start with House of a Thousand Corpses. So this came out first. This was Bob Zom's very first movie. Um, he wrote and directed it. Came out in the year 2000 and Trace. And uh, the plot synop on this bad boy is uh, two young couples traveling across the backwoods of Texas searching for urban legends of murder end up as prisoners of a bizarre and sadistic backwater family of serial killers. So, Paris, first introduction to uh, <laughs> Rob Zom's Oove, uh, um, Halloween movies notwithstanding. Uh, right. What'd you think? How did this first, how did part one of the double feature uh, kick things off for you? 
For sure. Well, honestly, going in, I wasn't really sure what to expect. As I said, you know, I've only seen the one Rob Zombie movie, and it was a reboot, so I was like, well, this isn't original for him. All I'd heard was that, I believe it was Travis, actually, that said that he, his, um, what he's known for is making uh, creepy movies that show his wife's titties. He's very (laughs) proud of how hot his wife is. And honestly, um, that was the expectation I went in with this and it did not disappoint in that front (laughs) but (laughs) um i about halfway through i was like should i did i sign up to do this podcast with matt prematurely like should i not be doing this (laughs) what have i gotten myself why am i here (laughs) (laughs) i was very mad um no i it was it felt a little bit like it happened to me (laughs) It's not that I hated it. It just was that it was a very not good movie. (laughs) And there were parts that were so not good that they were funny, which I actually can appreciate. But a lot of it was just too, too bad. (laughs) So, yes, it is very, how should I say this? Juvenile in its writing. Mm -hmm. Like... Uh, like from the get go, I knew that it wasn't going to hold up in the writing department because I, I I know he's a bad writer, right? That's not his forte. But within mm-hmm. the first couple minutes, I was like, oh, well, like it's like multiple cringeworthy lines. Yes. Very vulgar. Like Rob, uh, Bob Zom's the kind of person who thinks it's funny to say like, oh, you go fuck your mother and her stinky puss, you know, like they, they use really, really graphic, vulgar descriptions of things that are just very juvenile. Characters yeah. will have these like back and forth that are just like so stupid. No one would say them, but I it's don't know. It's almost like purposefully trying to make things as trash as possible mm-hmm. and i say that in a literal like white trash way oh, you yeah. know it's like i was like because mm, i actually did a little bit of like research on rob zombie and chairman zombie and they're pretty trash and i was like that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. like i'm pretty sure for example like i'm pretty sure sherry moon zombie just wore her own clothes through the whole film <laughs> and they just like bloodied him up or whatever. Right. I, I like saw some pictures of her and I was like, Oh yeah, I could see her as like a daughter in a serial killer family. That's, <laughs> that makes sense. For sure. So I, I honestly liked it a bit more than I was expecting uh, with the disclaimer that this is a bad movie. It's bad. <laughs> like it's not, it's not good. And it real bad. it's it's trashy, but not it's it's trashy and trash, but not trash in the way that makes it like fun and endearing, at least compared to some yeah. other movies. It doesn't really have it's just too gross to be that kind of trash, I guess, because right. there's a lot of intent in this movie. I don't think there's anything that's unintentionally funny outside of maybe you know a moment or two he knows exactly what he's doing or at least let me put it this way he knows what he's trying to do um one thing that you definitely notice especially in comparison to devil's rejects is that it's a poorly made movie like in my in my memory of like of this movie i remember it having this like kind of like grainy film quality meant to emulate like the style of the seventies, like where the movie is set. And it's not at all that not it's no very cheap looking devil's rejects has that. I actually did notice that in there, but house of a thousand corpses. I think part of it is it feels a lot like a student film where it's some of it's weirdly stylized, some of it's overly stylized, but all of it's, so intentional that I feel like while you're watching the movie, you can be like, oh, this is what he was trying to do there. And I feel like once you can start seeing the seams on a movie, it takes you out of it automatically. Right. Like he clearly didn't know how to make a movie yet. He just is a big horror movie fan and is famous. And somehow people gave him money. (laughs) Right. Like, and that's how this movie came about. 
But yeah. I kind of like that about it because with with uh, Bob Zom's later movies, he kind of, I feel like, goes the other direction. Like he gets more confident and actually mm-hmm. thinks he's a good filmmaker. Whereas <laughs> <laughs> this is like, there's an almost like childlike glee to the movie that I kind of admire because yes. his love of horror movies really comes through in this especially with he's basically just emulating his favorite horror movies right like he's nodding to them explicitly like there are um like models of like the creature from the black lagoon you see posters of old horror movies and it's the plot even is very reminiscent of texas chainsaw massacre texas chainsaw massacre yep that was immediately what i thought of for sure the final girl Yes, for sure. And also, um, early on, I think it's in the opening scene, there is a shot that is clearly an homage to the original Halloween, where it's like the camera moving toward the front door of the gas station, you know? it's yes. I, I read it as like an homage to like that first person camera work in, in Halloween. Yeah. Um, so just clear, like, I, I kind of admired that about this movie, because he is not, it's, there's no pretension in this movie anywhere to be found right like he's just having (laughs) a good time um what did you think of the like smash cuts to the like psychedelic stuff like just these weird smash cuts to just like you know it's almost like like acid trip uh images for like a couple seconds and then it just moves to the next scene what did you think of that yeah First, I kind of enjoyed it. I kind of enjoyed the this sort of it felt it made the movie feel really like chaotic and I feel like it, it almost elevated it a little bit from where I was like, Wow, this is a pretty juvenile, like crass movie, like what am I supposed to be getting out of this kind of? Mm-hmm. And I actually kind of enjoyed that at the beginning. And then by the end I was like, mm, this almost feels like t- it felt like too much at a certain point. Like, I, I got what he was going for, and um, I guess actually, so I, I did a little bit of research on this, <laughs> and I guess actually a lot of stuff that was in those 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 cutscenes were, had to actually be cut out entirely to get the movie's rating from an NC-17 to R. Mm. Like, in one of the scenes, um, the char- baby character, she is sort of like acting sexy and there's like a dead person next to her maybe and it's kind of just kind of like a weird like oh okay you know what is the purpose of the scene Mm -hmm. but i guess in the uncut version she was like full-on masturbating to a dead person and was like it was supposed to like be like super like necrophiliac-esque and i was like oh that actually makes a lot more sense Whereas the scene that we got was a small cut of her just being like, ooh, yeah, dead people, what? Right, right. <laughs> huh. That's interesting, yeah. That, that makes sense, because this movie is quite graphic. Um, yes. And, you know, I, I, I like that, because I'm a gore hound, too. I know Bob is a gore hound, so it makes sense that he wanted to put that into his movie. Um, I gore was actually something I really liked about it. Oh, yeah. It was, you could tell most of the money went to some of the like prosthetics and yeah. Um, I was pretty blown away by uh, when Dr. Satan is finally revealed at the end, just like the design and just the horribly fucked up nature of like his, his lair. I was like, oh, like, that's so weird and, and neat. I <laughs> felt like it was almost like a different movie even. It felt because out of place, sudden- yeah. Yeah, she's stumbling through this underground tunnel, and all of a sudden she comes upon his Doctor Satan's lair, and I was like, I was I was right there with you. I was into it, but it felt like it belonged in a different movie almost. Yeah, and that's that's the thing with House of a Thousand Corpses is it it's not coherent. Like there, right. we'll get to Devil's Reject shortly, but that movie has yeah. a specific vision. House of a Thousand Corpses does not in the sense very that it's place. very jarring and tonally it's all over the place, but it's fun. Devil's Rejects is not yeah. fun. <laughs> mm, I disagree. 
I disagree. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll get we'll get to it. But one other thing I just did want to say about House of a Thousand Corpses was um, the like we talked about the set design a little bit for uh, Doctor Satan's lair at the end. Mm-hmm. I was yeah, like just like you, I was like he, the design of his character plus all, everything that was going on there was just absolutely insane and amazing however and we can probably get to this when we talk a little bit more about devil's rejects but i kind of appreciated that they cut it out of devil's rejects because while it sort of tied the whole story together um i did think yeah it seemed like a separate movie yeah one other thing i was going to say that i did like that actually comes back in devil's rejects as well is um the clown at the beginning i thought at first i was like oh is he like related to them and then it was like no he just seems like another like weirdo whatever it's fine and at the end when he comes up in the car i sort of liked how the ending left it a little ambiguous as to whether he was a part of it and that's why um otis was in the back seat or if he just if Otis had like snuck into his car or something. <laughs> I feel like it's pretty clear that they are in cahoots. I mean, like how, how fair, did he get in the back watching... of that car? <laughs> <laughs> okay. But like people get in back of cars all the time when people don't know. Haven't you ever watched back to the future too? In a convertible just be riding in a car. They're, he's literally in a convertible oh, okay. in that movie. <laughs> so I just want to point out this is not like unprecedented. I'm not just blowing <laughs> this out of my butt. I legitimately, having not seen either movie before, was like, oh my gosh, was was that a ruse the whole time? Or like, did he jump in the back of his car like a sneaky ghost? Yeah. And you know what? That's fair. Because I'm speaking from the perspective of someone who had had seen Devil's Rejects already. Right. You know? As soon as I watched Devil's Rejects, I was like, oh. So <laughs> <laughs> they were together. <laughs> yeah. That ending is... I liked it. It's corny as hell. But I mean, it. like he sits up in the back of the car, freeze frame, and then it says, the end? Question mark? I loved it. <laughs> I also loved it because it had the same like final girl feel of Halloween or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Except in this one, you know for sure she's fucked. Right. Yeah. Like in all the other ones, it's like it, it feels like she got away, although it's ominous still. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But this one, it was like, oh, she got away. Oh, <laughs> No, she did not. <laughs> um, how surprised were you when uh, Rain Wilson showed up? I was shocked. So <laughs> I was shooketh. <laughs> I was shooketh. I saw his name in the credits, and I was like, "What? Rain Wilson's in this?" And then I was like, "What? He's like the main guy." Yeah. <laughs> no, he does get killed pretty early. Which I was a little disappointed about. But I also felt like in this, I wanted to ask you about this. Do you think the movie Tusk was based on what they did with Rain Wilson's character in this movie and turning him into some sort of merman? (laughs) I don't know. Interesting observation. Because I think yes. (laughs) I I don't know. Honestly, I tried to purge Tusk from my memory because I think that movie is just is absolute butt. Um, oh yeah but... no it's the worst but it, it it's sort of like the reason i don't ever want to watch human centipede is because tusk is one of those things where i could close my eyes at any moment in time and see it in my brain yeah so, <laughs> i immediately thought of tusk though when i saw the scene where um rain wilson they pull back the curtain and rain wilson has been like brutally i don't i don't know a better word for it other than surgeried into uh, a merman and he was like cut in half like it was like his yeah. his torso was like on a, seemed... a stage not a stage but they, yeah, they had was, staged like, it was like a body. little altar or something. Yeah, yeah yeah and like put like food around it or something honestly the fact that he theoretically was killed like less than 12 hours before probably less than that i was like how did they have the time like where did they find the time yeah where did they find the time to murder apparently 1000 people and like line the the... no not the not the actual murder i mean literally the time between his actual death and when they reveal him i feel like wasn't very long in the movie oh yeah yeah no i I I feel like it felt like a few like it was supposed to be only a few hours or something Mm -hmm. maybe it was supposed to be longer 
But I was like, how did they get that done so quickly? I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but before we move on, I just, I, I appreciated the, uh, I, I'm not going to call it fun. Like I enjoyed myself, but I like the, like the haunted house, like aspect of like them going through the ride at Captain Spaulding's place. And then they go to the house and they stage that like striptease show. And that's very strange. The buildup to before they actually do any murdering of the kids I kind of loved that. I love the tension of it, the weirdness, the the sort of feeling where you're like, get the fuck out of there, just leave. But like, they can't really. Right, right. It's almost like at a certain point, it's social obligation, and then at another point, that one, um, one of the I can't, I'm saying kids because I'm assuming they're like college age kind of. Um, one of the the couples, one of the women from one of the couples is kind of being a real big asshole. And I was like, yeah. mm, I hope she dies soon. Like, For sure. <laughs> you know, at a certain point I was like, I was like either leave or like, let's get to it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of when shit hits the fan is when, um, Sherry moon zombies character baby is like kind of stripped, not strip teasing, but she's getting kind of sexual with her boyfriend. And she like, mm. she's like, back off, bitch. And like pushes her and they start like <laughs> so calling dumb. each other names. It's very silly. Um, and I feel like we have to mention, I'm sure you're on board with me in this, but Sherry Moon Zombie is not a good actress. She is oh, only in here because her no. husband is the director, right? I mean, of course. She's bad. Of real bad. Of course. She's so bad that I feel like... But I actually, not so much in this one, but I, and we'll get to it later, but like in Devil's Rejects, like I actually kind of enjoyed her performance because of how bad she is. <laughs> and I feel like it like sort of, because, because I feel like when you're, when an actor's in a bad movie, but you can tell they're trying, I feel like it sort of makes me feel like, oh, this poor guy. He's just doing his best, you know? <laughs> yeah. But when someone's bad and in a bad movie, I'm like, yeah, you know. You know what you're doing. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but yeah. So um, what about uh, Sid Haig, the guy who plays Captain Spaulding? Because people are pretty pretty split on him. Like some letterbox reviews say he's like the worst actor of all time. But I I like him in the role. I wouldn't say he's a good actor, but... I like him as Captain Spaulding, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think the intent of Captain Spaulding is to be creepy, to get under your skin, to make you uncomfortable. And he did all those things successfully for me. So Mm -hmm. I would say I liked the character and I thought he did a good job of the character. That doesn't necessarily make him a good actor, but... It definitely felt like a good fit and I felt creeped out and like, by him. For sure. For sure. And then the last actor I'll mention, uh, and I, I think he's kind of the star in both of the movies, is Bill Mosley as Otis. I think he's really good. Like, he kind he of was... almost sticks out for being good, com- at least compared to the other people in these movies. More so in Devil's yeah. Rejects, for sure, but... Yeah, definitely. I think he's pretty good, actually. I, yeah, I don't know. I, in Devil's Rejects, I was actually going to say he, he stands out a lot. But in in this one, in House of a Thousand Corpses, I was like, I felt it was more about the visual for him. He was like this creepy ass albino kid who was just like, I'm going to murder you. Like, I didn't really, <laughs> he didn't stand out for me. There was nothing special about me for him for me in this one yeah I, I feel like that more so comes across just in the way he's portrayed in house because he doesn't have the beard like honestly the beard is what does it for me in devil's Same. rejects you know what i mean so Same. um but i don't know i thought it was elevated level <laughs> aesthetically i like when he put on like the corpse paint and like the red robe towards the end oh i thought God. that was a cool look yes and i loved when he wore the face of her dad um in oh yeah 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 (laughs) i believe it's the final girl's dad that comes to the house with the sheriff yeah and then he kills them and cuts off the face and wears it 
for him and it's like hey sweetie mm-hmm. give a kiss to daddy i fucking love that part yeah that was good <laughs> it <shit>. was so <laughs> creepy and also felt very reminiscent of texas chainsaw massacre but also like that particular piece of horror even in texas chainsaw massacre was actually based on other real serial killers yeah, that, so, they got that from Ed Gein, I think. Yes, right? Ed Gein yeah. is one of is the is probably the biggest one. And I actually, since we're talking about Ed Gein, I really <laughs> liked in the beginning when they did the ride with the serial killers because Albert Fish, and this is going to sound not quite right, but he's one of my favorite serial killers because he is one of the most fucked up serial killers, not just in what he actually did, which was horrifying. Um, but his, his upbringing, like his background, Mm -hmm. it wasn't just like, oh, he had a crazy background and you know, whatever his background was so fucked up. And he was basically from a, from a like very young age, like four or five, like you could tell he was going to be a serial killer. (laughs) It's kind of nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Albert Fish is is nuts but i i like that a lot that that ride where they go through the different murder rooms and stuff and it cuts to like it's supposed to be like archival footage you know but it's it's all stage yeah um basically the gist of it is it's a bad movie but i liked it a lot more than i thought i was going to just because i had kind of written both of these movies off because of what Bobbert did to me with Halloween. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I would say if you enjoy kind of silly horror, you know, if you don't take it too seriously, definitely watch this movie. If you want to watch a horror movie where you're not really going to get scared, this is a good, another good one. I was worried mm-hmm. about being scared. And I was like, oh, no. Nah, it's not it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, but put yourself in like, high school Matt's shoes like this movie was sick so sick you know what I mean (laughs) like it was so cool and like edgy and I was like fuck yeah there's walls of dead bodies (laughs) and blood and guts and Rob Zombie like imagine me (laughs) watching these I don't know I didn't know Matt in high school but I just imagine him as this little boy who's like everything you could picture about like stereotypical little boy so all the things he just said about being like, like a lollipop yeah, in your mouth oh <laughs> no well you said little gonna... boy i was like suspenders <laughs> a giant like an oversized lollipop <laughs> okay i meant like teen boy not okay. little boy I guess. <laughs> like <laughs> little cherub boy no i mean like i picture you in high school as like a very stereotypical teen boy yeah like if a movie has blood and guts or boobs tits don't forget yep yep i yeah (laughs) very important blood boobs bombs that was the that was the formula yeah for good shit (laughs) in high school (laughs) um okay well do you have any other thoughts on um house of 1000 corpses i do not um are we gonna do star ratings certainly can our inaugural app up to you i'm down this Two stars. Ooh, two stars? After all that? Two stars. Well, because here's the thing. Because, like I said, I feel like, did I enjoy, well, let's, did I hate watching it? No, I did not hate watching it. I don't, I wouldn't say I necessarily enjoyed watching it either, though. And honestly, I almost went back because after watching Devil's Rejects, it was just so much better. (laughs) I almost dropped it even lower. Jesus. Yeah, just once you had like, I, the comparison. Yeah, and I think I was more going by not my enjoyment factor, but by quality of movie. Oh, yeah, that's fair. It's a two-star movie. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, I went with a three because the, like, kind of horror fan giddiness for me kind of outweighed the horrible production of it it looks Mm. like shit the editing is shit (laughs) but i don't know i i i had a good time with the the conceit of it and i like some of the gore stuff and i think they're an interesting 
cast of characters. Do I think they say some ridiculous shit? Yeah, but I liked it more than I thought I would. So I, I went with a three. Well, you have, you know, every right to be wrong. That's totally fine. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that leads us into The Devil's Rejects. Um, came out just two years later. Um, and what a world of difference two years makes, I guess, because he apparently found out how to make a movie in those two years, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, so it's kind of wild. I kept rechecking to make sure it actually only came out two years later because it felt like like the first one felt like something someone would do at the very beginning of their career where they're still trying to figure stuff out and devil's rejects only two years later felt like mid-career where you're like you're cruising you know what you're doing you're making movies like this did not feel like an immediate an immediate sequel for a lot of different reasons but i feel like the main one is is it feels like a cohesive movie all the way through Mm -hmm. you know really i wouldn't say you know where it's going but you you understand the story it doesn't feel like three different movies put together it feels like a kind of a to b to c storyline and and i'm saying that in a good way yeah um the acting quality seemed better the editing was quite a bit better it did kind of have that grainy 70s style feeling without being um just like a poor quality it felt like I kept kind of forgetting that it came out in 2005 and I was thinking it was older than that. Right. It wasn't going for, it was going for a kind of grindhouse feel, but it still felt quality. Like I think of a movie like, uh, like planet terror, which is weird looking. I love planet terror, but it's like tons of post-production, like, color tinting and just yes. like they like a very weird filter to get the grindhouse effect this felt more yes. natural and i thought looked pretty good generally speaking yeah definitely um i also wanted to say that as a sequel it didn't like it's obviously a pretty direct sequel it takes up you know a few years after the events of the first one right it said the timelines of both of them, and I could not remember. I think it was like six months apart, because I think Devil's Rejects okay. is supposed to be taking place around like May of 1978. Yes. And yes. House of a Thousand Corpses was around Halloween of 77. Okay, so I knew it was Halloween in May. I just didn't know. And I knew Devil's Rejects was 78. I didn't know what year House of a Thousand Corpses was. That makes yeah. sense. Um, but so it feels almost like a not quite a reboot or like a spinoff, but something kind of like that where it sort of takes some of the best characters from house of a thousand corpses, some of the standouts and puts them in kind of a different setting and a totally different, it almost felt like, and I know this is kind of a weird comparison, but the original purge movie to the rest of the purge movies well, technically their sequels, the original purge movie is more of like a haunted house movie and then the rest of the purge movies are totally different setting and style and they just exist in the same universe yeah this almost felt like that yeah yeah that that makes sense they they took the antagonists of the first movie and basically made them the protagonists of this of the new movie you know yes and i I think loved see i think that's both the movie's biggest strength and its biggest weakness because they are really fucked up, but the villain, the person who ultimately becomes the villain in this movie is the sheriff, right? So he's like, starts out as being, you know, he's trying to ride the line, walk the line as he calls it. And he's a man of the law. And then there's a flip (laughs) and then he becomes like the sadistic fuck. And you're supposed to actively be rooting against him. And I was, but I felt, I think so. You didn't think you're by the end of it. You're kind of supposed to be rooting for Otis and baby and, and, uh, uh, captain Spaulding. Yeah. Cause he like tortures the shit out of them at the end. You know, yeah see see that's tough for me because i don't know if i was supposed to or not 
But I definitely wasn't rooting for them at any point. Even though they were our protagonists, I was like, for sure hoping that something bad would happen to them like most of the movie. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's what I mean. I mean gratifying when they're finally like the tables. (laughs) Oh how the turntables have <laughs> like it felt really, uh, it felt really gratifying. Yeah, the tables turned on them. And, like I like that about it, but it's also without a person to root for. Like I don't like the characters in House of a Thousand Corpses, as far as like the you know the college kids or whatever. But they're at yeah, least I, a I person ready for them to die too. They're the audience surrogate, right? There is no audience surrogate in this movie because it's psychopaths fucking with other psychopaths basically yeah. and that's fun i kind of love that yeah i i like it but it's also i don't know i kind of think especially with the very end of this movie that there's like uh which i love by the way don't get me wrong we can we can circle back to the end of it but <laughs> yes we need um, to talk about the end you just um i don't know i feel kind of uneasy with the premise of this like outcast group of murderers kind of being the through line. Maybe that's just like the, the classical horror fan in me that appreciates, you know, an audience surrogate and being on the other side of the horror, as opposed to being like in the shoes of the horror, if that makes sense. But that's why I say it both is the best thing and the worst thing about the movie for me, because I feel like it works in some places and it doesn't in others. Right. So I watched um, both with Kurt. Um, the first one I watched with Kurt all the way through, and then the second one he was kind of in and out. But I did mention to him during um, Devil's Rejects, I was like, oh, I kind of enjoy how this is a little horror porny, but not in a way like the later Saw movies where it's kind of like, all right, we fucking get it. Like it felt very serving the purpose of the plot. None of it felt, while it was gratuitous, none of it felt like, gratuitous in a way where you're like this is just here for the i don't know what you'd even call it for the gross factor or whatever yeah i, I get what and you're so and so i kind of thought of it in a similar way as like the saw movies where there's not really good guys everyone is different layers of awful and you kind of i really enjoy that kind of flipping the regular kind of tropes on their head where you're like, oh no, we really shouldn't be rooting for the cops either because they're fucking awful too, especially the sheriff. And, and you know, fuck the police. But also, <laughs> <laughs> but really like, I I really enjoy that. I, I, I kind of like the not having an audience surrogate where you're like, should I be feeling bad for these horribly sadistic fucks? It sort of messes with your head a little bit. I love that. Yeah, I, I, I do think it's one of the more interesting things about the movie. But um, I like the arc of the movie a lot, although I do think there's a little bit of a lull um, around the two thirds mark, like kind of when they, uh, they leave the motel, like everything up to the motel where they like fuck up that, that group, that band, uh, banjo and Sullivan or whatever. Loved it. But once they left there, I kind of feel like the movie loses a little bit of momentum where they go to this like like whorehouse. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I would have liked the ice cream bit more if, if the camera cut to Otis and he's looking super pissed off, but then his ice cream cone comes from off camera and he's like, you know, reluctantly eating his own ice cream cone or something. I was expecting when they, I, 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 I love that scene. <laughs> there were two things where I was expecting one. I was expecting the exact same thing as you, where he would also be eating an ice cream cone, but still grumpy about it. Yeah. So I was also expecting like a scene where it was going to cut to, like a bunch of dead bodies on the floor of an ice cream shop or something <laughs> like a kind of funny, like cutaway for a second. Right. Like they stole the ice cream cause they murdered the high school girl who was working the register yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but not actually show it, just show the aftermath. Right. Um, I love that Danny Trejo is in this movie. I had forgotten that he's in it. I 
saw his name in the credits too, and I was like, "What?" And then he was barely in it. I was a little like, I I wanted more more Trejo. Yeah, because nothing really happens to his character or um, the other guy's a wrestler. The other guy was Diamond Dallas yes. Page. Um, I did actually know that. <laughs> they just kind of go away because they capture the Devil's Rejects and then the Sheriff has them and then they're they're out of the movie at that point, you know? Like, I, so I wanted this, more. Yes. So this actually brings me to my biggest issue with the movie where I was like, it was, you know, there's a lot of, I would say the biggest issue with a lot of horror movies are you as an audience member goes, why would you as a character do that? That doesn't make sense. Right. It's simply, it's like, why did they do that? Oh, because it was in the screenplay. Like there's no other reason. There's no actual like character motivations or anything in the plot that actually drives it. It's just to move the movie forward. Right. 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 And one of those things that happens in this movie, my biggest issue with it is when, um, and I'm sure we'll get to the torture scene a little bit more. But the sheriff is torturing the devil's rejects, the band of three. They're just being fucked with. I, first of all, I started laughing and I think it's freaked Kurt out a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, why are you laughing? I was like, it's so funny. Um, <laughs> but anywho, so there's a part where he lets baby go. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I bet because we didn't really like see what happened to the bounty hunters, the unholy two. So I was like, oh, I bet he's going to let baby go. She's going to be like, oh, thinking everything's hunky dory. And then the unholy two are going to be out there and fuck her up or capture her. Or right, something. right. And then, first of all, the unholy two do not come back, which I was disappointed about that their storyline didn't really get resolved. They're just in the movie and then they're not. Yeah. So that was one part of it. And then the second part, I was like, well, then that doesn't make any sense. If it's just him, why the fuck would you let any of them go? You mm-hmm. dumbass piece of shit. Like, <laughs> I was actively upset. And I felt like that was the point in the movie where I was like, it was that classic horror movie failing that a lot of people fall in where you're like, why is this happening? This does not make sense. Totally. Like they got the characters were in a hole that logically they should not have been able to get out of. But because Mm -hmm. they're the protagonist, there has to be a way out. And you can find a clever or sometimes even logical way of doing that. But in this movie, it was just like, all right, you're free so that he could hunt her. It's like, uh, you're fucking wasted. And two, you're at her childhood home. Like, what do you think is going to happen? I was like, when they, as soon as he drove up, I was like, why would you bring them to their turf? Right. Right. Like, he doesn't know. And then I knew Tiny was going to come back. I knew he had to come back because they didn't mention him the whole movie. He wasn't captured. And then at the end, he comes back and I'm like, yeah, of course. This is why you don't bring them onto their turf. And I get that he thought it would be like symbolic to burn them in their own house where they killed all those people. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. That was another one where I was like, you're being a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So uh, something just slipped my mind. There was something I was going to bring up. Um, never mind. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come back to me. It'll come back to me. Um, yeah. So what about the ending? Did you love it? So at first, no. (laughs) (laughs) So at first they're, they're driving up on this, on this. It it was, this was where it really felt almost like a seventies movie as one of the, one of the parts where I was like, Oh yeah, this feels very reminiscent of that time because it was very slow, very plodding, very Mm -hmm. purposeful. So they're driving up and then it slows down and the music gets intense and you see all these cops and you're like, Oh, this is it. The final showdown. Cause I was a little disappointed that, I don't know. I always appreciate when movies are brave enough to kill off the protagonists, mm-hmm. you know, and not just like fake, bring them back. So I was like, I was a little bummed that they didn't die off earlier in the movie. And then this comes out and I was like, Oh, perfect. They're going to get their finale ending that they deserve. Bim, bam, boom. Perfect movie. Um, so, but then it was like, 
honestly at a certain point and this is where maybe the modern young person in me caught up i was like oh my god let's fucking get on with it i'm so bored like and that's at a well, certain point you lost interest just because on too long because Freebirds is like a seven minute long song. And at a certain point you're like, oh, God, because clearly it was edited that way to match the song. Right. Rob Zombie probably had I that idea. That. Yeah. Almost all of Freebird plays before like it very suddenly cuts um, yes. at, the, at the end. I did right? notice that. Yeah. Yes. But almost the whole song is played. So it's probably about five minutes of Freebird. I think it gets cut off like right when the guitar solo is starting or something, which is like two minutes of just fucking shredding. Right. So, (laughs) but I mean, the whole scene is constructed to the music. I mean, from the stop and stutter editing, like I thought that was, especially compared to house of a thousand corpses, which just had been released two years prior to this, which is like, cinematic like there's no there's nothing cinematic about house of a thousand corpses but this felt like he had a vision and it's cool and it's kind of corny right but i mean it's that's the iconic scene from devil's rejects and i think rightfully so yeah i would say so i mean it it and like i said i there was a certain point in the middle where i was like i think it's because i didn't realize that it was going to be as long as the full song so after <laughs> a few minutes i was like all right what are we doing here yeah and then yeah. by the end by the end when the song really like builds up at the end i was like oh yeah i'm back in <laughs> <laughs> um but i think you're right it feels where i like i i said earlier house of a thousand corpses feels like a student film this feels like a real cinematic work. Mm-hmm. Like it's purposeful and it's stylized in a way that doesn't feel um, juvenile or too much. And it's consistent too. There's yes. there's like the, the tonal and aesthetic shifts of House of a Thousand Corpses are kind of absent from this movie. Like it's pretty consistent. Yes. Um, so... Oh, I was actually going to touch on that a little bit because we talked earlier about um, Dr. Satan Mm -hmm. and he actually, in the original cut of this movie, there was um, some Dr. Satan in there. They had to cut it down, I think partially for time, but also partially to get it from an NC-17 rating to an R. Mm -hmm. So I did a little bit of research and apparently Rob Zombie said this was his hardest movie to get to an R rating. I think he had to go back and forth with the MPAA about eight times um, of cutting and recutting. So he had to remove all of the Dr. Satan stuff from it, both to get the rating down and because he felt like it didn't fit tonally anymore. Sure. Fun fact about that, Rosario Dawson plays a nurse in one of those scenes that was Mm. cut with Dr. Satan. And I guess she's just in there for a second. She gets super murdered by him. (laughs) But I thought that cutting him out actually elevated the movie. But I also thought it was interesting that I think maybe because of the amount of times he had to go back and forth and back and forth and like cut down stuff. I felt like this that actually made this one a lot more um, trim and like you said, like cohesive and kind of to the point. Right, like maybe ultimately it actually ended up helping him because he was forced to cut some things that maybe wouldn't have worked all the way. Like, it makes me think he probably made the right decisions with the things that were cut because there aren't a ton of things I could point to that I would be like, "Mm, that doesn't need to be in there. You you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a pretty... Uh, well paced outside of like like I mentioned earlier when they kind of go to the 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 uh, like western like prostitute ranch I was like eh, I'm not super <laughs> yeah. interested but um yeah that's also, that's interesting yeah fun fact and I didn't look this up so this could be totally wrong this was just from my you know brain bank of random useless trivia facts um the prostitute that plays the main girl the one that has sex with otis um is does the voice of tommy pickles from the rugrats no shit really again <laughs> i didn't look it up to verify so i could be 100 percent wrong 
But I, that's I what my brain thinks. I 100% believe said. it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, do you have any other thoughts on uh, Devil's Rejects? No. Um, other than, I don't know if I made this clear enough, but I enjoyed this movie a lot. I will say I gave it a three and a half star. Mm-hmm. And I didn't rate it higher because it's still not like a great, you know, like it's not a great movie, but it was so much better than House of a Thousand Corpses that it was like shockingly better. Like like we've talked about quite a bit. It almost felt like it was made by two different people or the same director, but two very different periods in his life. So to get right. to have improved so drastically over two years, I was like, all right, you get a little bit of a bump there too, bud. For sure. It still has really bad dialogue. Like I think Rob Zombie is kind of going for a stylized, like kind of similar to what Quentin Tarantino does, but he, Tarantino yeah. is just a better writer and he's more in tune to characters and motivations than Bob Zombies, but um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's not a well written movie. I like the arc, like the plot arc. I think is is yeah. well done, but the scenes of dialogue outside of when it's intentionally fucked up, like the scene um, in the hotel room with. Uh, um, Banjo and Sullivan, the band where he like makes the mom strip and he like points the gun, puts it in her panties. And like that scene is really uncomfortable to watch and very effective. And I think the dialogue works there because it's supposed to be repulsive. Whereas in other instances where characters are just talking, like where it's supposed to be a little bit more natural is not natural at all. Like he's just a bad dialogue writer, you know? Totally. (laughs) I will say that it kind of you're I think you're exactly right there that it kind of like the purposeful repulsion is one thing and that actually was we talked about um the dad the clown dad um I forget the actor's name Sid Haig um Sid Haig thank you um but like I I actually enjoyed his performance even more in this one mm-hmm. because it's like he's supposed to be repulsive and I feel like he plays that very well even though he's maybe not like a good actor per se, it's like not necessarily good acting, but I was repulsed by him. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it's effective at least. Well, and and I think House of a Thousand Courses is probably more gross, but this movie is dirtier, you know, like their teeth yeah. are like yellow and decaying and, and uh, Otis has this like big gnarly beard oh i loved just way way better and more menacing than they were kind of cartoon characters in house of a thousand corpses right yeah like they're actually menacing people in in devil's rejects 100 percent. i honestly feel like the biggest flaw in devil's rejects is not having more danny trejo like let's do some machete up in here you could say that about any movie though not enough danny danny trejo (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I'll say I, I rated it a 3.5. I think it's closer to a four. I was like, kind of, kind of in between, but mm. it's still 3. just seven, a, five. Yes. Yes. If letterbox allowed it, that's probably what I would rate this movie. Um, it's good. I, I am, I was very surprised that I actually liked both of these movies when I fully expected to turn on them. Because yeah. I thought I had seen them as an adult, but I remembered very little other than some of the more iconic scenes from Devil's Rejects. I remembered very little about these movies. So I sure. am pleasantly surprised that I was able to get over my um, the, the betrayal of the Halloween movies <laughs> to actually kind of enjoy both of these. I enjoy them both quite a bit, sure. actually. Devil's Rejects more so, but... I like me some some house of a of one thousand corpses. <laughs> exactly one thousand. <laughs> uh, cool. Um, what else? Before we else? wrap anything up, did mm-hmm. you know that there is actually a third movie in this? I get I was you know not just a sequel but a trilogy, mm-hmm. and it's called Three from Hell, and it came out last year. Yes, I knew that. 
It's on. I did not know that. <laughs> well, it didn't get a standard theatrical release. Like I think it went on VOD, and then there were some. It, they did like a almost like a traveling roadshow thing, kind of like what um, oh. Kevin Smith did with a. Uh, um, the the new Jan Silent, Silent Bob. Bob, too. Yeah, yeah. It was not Fandango. Fathom. It was a Fathom event. I'm pretty Fathom sure. Event. Three yep. from Hell was yep. a Fathom yep. event. I think. Um, yeah. I have not seen it, but it is on Shutter, and I am currently subscribed to Shutter at least through Halloween. So I okay. definitely plan on on checking her out. Perfect. I looked because Kirk was like, "Oh well, now we got to watch that," and it was for rent on Prime, which I'm always like. Mm. Do I really want to rent a streaming movie? And it was six dollars. So I was like, no, I don't. Yeah, it's still new. But um, if you haven't used it already, if you have Amazon, you can do like the seven day trial for Shutter, and it's on Shutter right now. Oh, okay. I I, I don't think I have, so that's good to know. I yeah. did watch the trailer, and it looked sick. <laughs> I am curious, although I don't know how the. F- fuck you write them out of the ending of devil's rejects because well, they the got trailer pretty easily up. writes them out oh i see i didn't even watch a trailer for it well uh, okay so what uh, what happened no i mean like i mean like it's basically like they weren't killed they were just shot and then put in jail yeah but they got shot That's like, like the- a billion times <laughs> like i mean i, I don't it, know but... because the trailer doesn't like let me put this differently the trailer doesn't explicitly say that but they're basically like ah they weren't really like killed they were just shot a bunch of times they survived they they were in jail somehow they got out of jail that's not clear in the trailer yeah, yeah and then yeah. they went murdering again okay and i was like i'm here for it i love that that's honestly so i there's no other way to do that i guess like oh that makes sense but they they were they were dead as fuck. Like I don't blame. <laughs> I know. That I was being... shocked. <laughs> I was shocked when I was like, "Why would you make a sequel 14 years later with the three characters that are definitely <laughs> and inexplicably like in inescapably dead?" Right. <laughs> like D E D dead. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll I'll watch it. I'll uh, I'm I'm curious. Definitely curious. Especially because I enjoyed these two. Uh, mm-hmm. more than I thought on a rewatch. Honestly, it makes me want to watch more Rob Zombie movies. Um, sure. <laughs> if that's how you want to spend your life. <laughs> Robert Zom, he got me. You're you're a Bob Zom fan now? A fangirl? I can't, I can't say I am a fangirl having only really seen three of his films <laughs> and one of which was in theaters a million years ago. But I am intrigued. I want to watch more. I think his like killer clown movie is on Amazon still. Uh, Thirty one. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, maybe we uh let's check her out. At least just for for us, me and you. Like I'm curious. Like, <laughs> I, I yeah. my interest is peaked in uh the Zombiverse. Me too. Cool. Okay. Well, anything else you want to mention before uh, we wrap up this first ep? Um, I think that's it. You know. Stay spooky. Stay scared, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, that's your sign off. <laughs> I can't. You know what? Uh, stay spooky. Uh, stay, stay scared. <laughs> Fuck off. I like it. I like it. Well, I. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, well, the plan is to do this um, in the off weeks of the mainline podcast. This episode went a little longer than I think we anticipate most of these going because we're at almost an hour. Um, oh, but God, a lot, a lot to talk about, a lot to talk about. Um, we don't know what the next episode will be yet, but, uh, Paris, I'm going to say on air, uh, you have full authority over what, um, the next double feature is. Cause I, uh, oh, I threw out shit. this one. So full creative control viewers can, or viewers, the fucking listeners <laughs> <laughs> can get a peek into the mind of, uh, Perry. See, uh, see where awesome. you take this. Well, I'm going to tell you and the listeners on air that we did a couple cult classics this week. I think I'm going to stick to the 
I might might do another couple cult classics next week. Might do another uh, maybe maybe a different maybe a different horror subgenre. Ooh, we'll, see. we'll see. Cool. What a tease. Keep the mystery alive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Um, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Stay spooky. Stay scared. Uh-huh.